Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And here on Memorial Day, we honor all of our fallen and, of course, military first responders. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you on this Monday. Hope you had a nice weekend as you continue to get it going. A little bit of an untraditional Memorial Day for sure. I know a lot of people like to get out and do things, go to the beach, barbecue. Hopefully, if you are doing that, you're staying safe, wearing your masks and practicing social distancing. But here on the show, we got a lot to get to today, and it's good to be with you again, Joe. How's your Memorial Day weekend going? It's going all right. Started off a little rainy, but uh, looking up here through Sunday and Monday. And uh, of course, I want to salute. I got the red, white, and blue today. I'm rocking it. There's no parades this weekend. That's another big thing. There's always that Memorial Day parade that I know a lot of people look forward to. And unfortunately, you're not going to have that. So it's our job basically to roll out the welcome wagon and say thank you for all those families and all those servicemen and women out there who are doing so much. And also, you know, those people on the front lines of this disease, too. It has just been incredible what those people have done. Uh, I know many personal people, myself, doctors and nurses who have left their areas and come to where I am in New Jersey uh, just to help out and and basically volunteer their services. And that's incredible bravery. And that is uh, just something that uh, I guess bravery in our definition of it continues to change and evolve. And I think uh, in 2020, it has a new evolution and a new change. So I want to thank everybody there. And of course, uh, to all our armed services folks as well out there. So USA. Sports Grid, we're behind you, baby. That we are here on this day, and thanks you guys so much for making us your choice for this morning. We'll start off with the good news surrounding a couple of the sports leagues. Both the NBA and NHL look like they are headed back, or at least going to try to. Uh, NBA looks like they're headed potentially to Orlando to finish out their regular season, and then we'll have to see what the postseason would look like, whether or not it would be there or, or somewhere else, but that's the initial plan there. And then the NHL essentially looks like they're going to whittle themselves down to 24 teams and play uh, in a playoff of some kind. And so while there's no exact date yet really for anything, the NBA is looking at late July, NHL maybe early July. We're starting to get a sense that potentially in a month from now we could be talking about some preseason, some potential spring training, and then maybe some actual games starting up in July. Yeah, and the 2014 playoff format for the NHL would be awesome. Uh, Playoff hockey is amazing. Of all the sports, there is nothing live like live hockey. I'm sorry, and this is coming from a guy who probably puts football one, baseball two, but you give me tickets to a hockey game, I'm there ahead of all of those. It is a great game to watch live, and I think the playoff hockey, too, even in the televised versions, are going to be just fantastic. So if they can get to this kind of expanded playoff format, I think they'll be fantastic. Uh, The idea of the NBA doing some sort of everybody living in one place, it almost feels like an AAU tournament. It's kind of bizarre and i kind of wonder if this incremental progress here not only starts to you know open things up and make people feel a little bit better about trying to go out and replay these leagues and restart a lot of sports and i know ncaa is talking about it too but i wonder how much if any pressure it puts on major league baseball i don't know you might have a better idea than that but this is certainly i think at the very least a step in the right direction right craig yeah i like the fact that both these teams are are getting closer here and so hopefully 
by the time we get to later in the week, we'll have more definitive answers on everything. And certainly I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Uh, also kind of funny over the weekend, it was interesting to see Eli Manning sign up for uh, Twitter on social media with his first tweet, basically saying that it's time for him to get going. And then Tom Brady had an interesting response on top of that, Joe. Yeah, Tom Brady's a uh, Tom Brady's uh, social media football. He's like unleashed. Now, he well, he always no, his his social media has been pretty good. I mean, those videos he used to do after the playoff games with him and Gronk and some of the stuff with him and Edelman has been very entertaining over the years. I know maybe less so to some people who don't care for Tom Brady or the Patriots, but yeah, he basically jumped in there and said, "Hey, just like you, huh, Eli? Always show up at the very end of the fourth quarter out of nowhere." And, uh, you know, gave a little laughing emoji kind of thing. You know, ha-ha, we're all friends. Wink and nudge. And I guess that's what you do when you retire. So now that Eli Manning is on social media, does that mean that it's officially time for Craig Mish to start his Instagram account? Is this I don't know. We're, we're, it's still a work in progress there. Still a work in progress. Still right. thinking about it. Still thinking about it. Still, still mulling the options, deciding on profile pics. Yeah, you know, I'm unsure yet. I'm still unsure. I think eventually I'll probably cave. I think it might. You know what? I caved last year. I did. I was like, I don't need another one. What the hell? I got Twitter. I got Facebook. You don't even have Facebook. I had both of those. Like, oh, it's too much. But you know what? I think for the sake of following and covering the athletes now, it kind of feels like a necessary evil. I hate to say it, but it kind of feels like it is. Well, I mean, I, I guess when I feel like I've missed something, then I'll probably have to do it. I don't feel That's like right. I've missed anything yet. I think most people on Twitter say, hey, look what this guy posted on Instagram. Usually that's what True. ends up happening. But look, if if that changes, then I'll head over there. And I, I know it's important for a brand. And I know, you know, potentially for me, it could be important, too, especially if we're telling the story of the baseball season at some point in pictures. But for now, I'm going to abstain. But not to say that. 99.9% chance I won't do. I'm never going to say that and then come back and play for the Washington Wizards. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you're not bitter. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, in terms of the NFL over the weekend, there was a few things kind of percolating a little bit. Uh, Seattle made their choice at running back. I felt it was interesting that they ended up signing Carlos Hyde and not Devonta Freeman, which tells you, I think, a little bit more about maybe how they feel about Devonta Freeman at this point, even with Hyde being hurt. Um, so I think at this point, safe to say Hyde, as we talked about early or late last week, is still probably a little bit of a handcuff, I think, to whoever is a starting running back in Seattle. And then Freeman made some comments over the weekend, essentially saying that he didn't mind if he didn't play at all. That's yeah. a great sign. That's a great <laughs> sign for him. <laughs> well, cool. Freeman was the one I was kind of hoping for more, uh, only because I thought Hyde, too, is a little bit more um, of a potential detriment to Chris Carson's value. So I didn't get my way there. I know we talked about it on Saturday's show, but looking forward here, uh, I mean, to bring in Carlos Hyde last year, he started 14 games, played all 16. He did rush for 1,000 yards, 1070. He did have You're six surprised. touchdowns. Well, basically what he did, and, you know, you very astutely pointed this out during football season, is nobody runs first play more than the Texans. They are a team that likes to get out there, run the football right away, and run the football, and run the football. So, uh, he got 245 carries, and that's a huge number, but he did have six touchdowns. Basically, he had the line of what you would expect from Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller every year is going to go up between 950 and 1050, and he's going to probably have between six and eight touchdowns, and that's exactly where Carlos Hyde landed. So I, I do agree that with the sentiment that it is wise in this era where I'm not big on handcuffing to at least speculate later on Carlos Hyde and have him on your bench if you have Chris Carson – just in case there is something to the first couple weeks of them being maybe slow to kind of hand him off the workload. That's the only thing I can say. 
I still think Carson is the guy, but Carl's Hyde is definitely something that you have to keep an eye on. And look, we're still putting the black book out in a couple of days. Like we're trying to upload it on Wednesday for the weekend release. And as things are going on, we're still getting news like this. And this is news we have to react to. And this is what's great about the black book is we're able to react to this and something happens in July. We can go in, tweak the book, re-upload it. And then whenever you buy the book after that or or your e-copy automatically gets updated. So that is it's one of the pluses of being a, a direct-to-consumer product like we are. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Yeah, Hyde was on uh, several teams last year. People forget he got cut a couple different times before he ended up with Houston. Mm-hmm. And um, it wouldn't shock me to see him not make Seattle. But, you know, I guess we'll just kind of have to see how the virtual offseason goes and then the real offseason goes as well. Uh, funny story coming out of A baseball. The Blue Wahoos uh, essentially are opening up their stadium, Joe, to as uh, an Airbnb. Now, I've never used Airbnb. I'm aware of what it is. I feel like if I'm going to go stay somewhere, I'm probably just going to get a hotel, respectfully. Uh, but <laughs> I'm <interesting>, with you. <laughs> it, interesting that uh, essentially what they're allowing fans to do is uh, come on out, have some fun. Bubba Watson, the uh, golfer, is a part owner of this. You can use the field, the batting cages. And even sleep there. So maybe for some people who were bored on the west coast of Florida or the northwest coast of Florida, head on over to the Blue Wahoos and, and have yourself a baseball weekend. I think it sounds like a fun time. I think this is the first thing you and I should do if this is still running and uh, it's still offered somewhere in the next, I don't know, six weeks. We go down there. I heard there's a Frisbee golf course designed nice. by Bubba Watson and it's available on the weekends. I have played Frolf. I enjoy the Frolf. It is a good time sport. I'd like to get in on this. And by the way, you're not wrong about Airbnb. It basically sounds like an invitation to get murdered. That's what it sounds like to me. Maybe well, I'm just a stupid I, city boy. I'm not going to begrudge anybody if they want to use it. It's just not something that I'm going to do. That's all. Invitation to get murdered. It's, uh, I think that's what it is. I mean, you're just going to some stranger's house. I mean, I I don't want some stranger in my house. Listen, do you? I mean, it, it, we're in a new world now, man. So. I don't know. You barely want to do the show with me here on air. And this is virtual through Skype. You barely invite me. You're going to invite me well, to come stay at your it's house. only two hours a day, though. I'm, uh, I'm in and I'm out. Nobody gets hurt. You know? Well, sometimes. <laughs> Depends on the show. Speaking of which, from a lighthearted to a little bit of a scary note here, that uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, Hall of Famer, and of course, Nick's legend, and the uh, head coach of Georgetown Hoyas ended up uh, testing positive for uh, coronavirus. So not that we need to spend 10 minutes on this, but certainly, you know, we're uh, hoping for the best for uh, Patrick Ewing. And it just goes to show you that with everything going on on the positive side, too, as we head back towards sports, there's going to be some questions as to what happens if something like this happens while sports are back to being played again. Well, I think that's the biggest fear, right? The biggest fear is that there is an infection with somebody on a team. And then it spreads throughout that team. And then all of a sudden, if a team isn't a playoff format and they're missing three of their best players, what happens? there? I mean, that is that is a very difficult situation for the NBA, for the NHL, for anybody to deal with. And this is kind of the danger. Now, the good news is that the recovery rate is still quite high. And obviously, we wish Patrick and his family all the best and all the Hoya family as well. But that's certainly something to consider. And this is the danger point. This is why everyone's a little afraid. It's like, when is the right time to go back? I don't know if there's going to be a perfect time. I think that's the whole point. The whole point is, you know, you don't want to wait so long that economies crash and you have other problems and people can't put food on the table. And, you know, it's been 60 plus days here and I'm in one of the hottest spots in New Jersey here. And it's been very difficult mentally, physically for everybody. But at a certain point, you are seeing numbers go down. You are seeing positive signs and big recovery rates and testing going up. And I think the testing programs getting ramped up is the biggest thing. And that's a very big positive. And uh, hopefully things will turn around at Georgetown. By the way, 
Do you know what a Hoya is, Craig Mish? Uh, no, not exactly. I don't think anybody really does. I think that's one of the mysteries of Georgetown. I thought you were really, going to tell us. It's not a bulldog. I, I want to say if I, I did this once before, but a Hoya, well, maybe after the break. Maybe I'll have to research it and come okay, back we'll because I don't want to misquote, but it is not a bulldog. The bulldog kind of got adapted over the years as the is the signature and the mascot, but that's not what a Hoya is. And it's funny because everyone talks about it. It's like, hey, what, what's a Hoya? Yeah, I think it does. It, he's Brett's right. He's on the right track. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll give you the scoop on what a Hoya is. I can't wait. We'll take a break here on Fantasy Sports today. We have our Fantasy Sports birthdays and this day in Fantasy Sports coming up next right here on Sports Grid. We'll be back in just two minutes with that and a whole lot more. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And we're back on this Memorial Day holiday for 2020. Hopefully, those of you who are out there are recognizing people who need to be recognized on this day where first responders and people who have served our country uh, need a little boost today. I know those of you who are watching, certainly a lot of you still in quarantine. We're hopefully going to make your day a little bit better. And thanks for watching the show this morning. Craig and Joe back with you here once again on Sports Grid. It's time for our This Day in Fantasy Sports History and Fantasy Sports Birthdays. And so without further ado, we'll get started. We're going back to May 25th. Today is 2020. We're going to start off in 1951 when Willie Mays made his major league debut. And I know that, Joe, we've alluded to this several times, but certainly uh, in sports and in baseball, I mean, Willie Mays is on a very short list of the most iconic figures that are still alive in sports today. Absolutely. An iconic figure in baseball and sports, in New York baseball specifically as well as also, San Francisco, uh, this is a guy that, uh, you know, he could travel to a lot of different places and Willie Mays is still Willie Mays. And I think that is an incredible thing. You know, the Say Hey Kid, again, great nicknames. What happened to all the great nicknames? The Say Hey Kid, well, that's a nickname. They're gone. They're terrible. Everyone's just putting a Y at the end of everybody's name or shortening their name or the first two letters. That's stupid. It's not a nickname. It's laziness. The Say Hey Kid, that's a nickname. That's what I want. But uh, look, Willie Mays' debut in 1951, and uh, certainly the rest is history. And uh, unfortunately, I did not see Willie Mays play, but certainly seen enough footage. Certainly you see the numbers and you just go, my goodness, this looks like a man playing with boys there in some of those stats. And uh, certainly something to behold. And some of the great moments in baseball history as well go along with Willie Mays. birthday recently, too. That's right. It's a heck of a month for him. Good month for Willie. We got to keep Willie going for sure. Um, very, very intriguing and interesting guy, to say the least. 1965, Muhammad Ali knocks out Sonny Liston in the rematch. I believe this was uh, Ali's first loss ever was to Sonny Liston. Then he came back and he ended up beating him and then uh, goes on for another five or six years. And uh, without very many blips, as a matter of fact, uh, fights against Foreman, Joe Frazier. But essentially, Liston was the guy who got him first. 1984, wow, this was an interesting baseball trade and a rare one-for-one one where two mm. players go on to have great careers, but history gets affected. 
The Red Sox trade Dennis Eckersley, who, yeah, bounced around a little bit. Eckersley went from the Indians to the Red Sox, and both teams thought that they could get the most out of him. They could. They sent him to the Cubs, and they get back an unbelievable hitter in first baseman Bill Buckner. And then, of course, Bill Buckner with the Red Sox is uh, in infamy now for 1986. But uh, I, I don't think it should get lost what a great player Buckner was. And, um, you know, and certainly Dennis Eckersley went on to be uh, a phenomenal Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, and Eckersley really contributed to that 84 Cubs team. There was no slouch. <laughs> Let's not forget about how good that team was in the playoffs. Uh, Bill Buckner gave me the happiest moment of my childhood in Game 6. I mean, I still remember it to this day. It ruined me because I believed and I thought they would come back and win even with two outs in the ninth inning or the tenth inning, whatever it was. And, and, and then they did. And then I became an optimist the rest of my life, and I've been searching Searching ever again for that optimism because it, uh, as a Mets fan, it keeps kind of punching you uh, right square in between the you-know-wheres. And that's that's the difficult thing about being a Mets fan. But that moment was just sheer joy. And uh, the first trade of Dennis Eckersley with the Indians actually came from uh, basically a, a trade of necessity because his wife at the time ended up with his best friend yes. at the time. And that ended up necessitating uh, a trade where they, the tension in the locker room decided to for everybody's sake, kind of make this deal. So the Indians didn't even want to necessarily make that trade, but they did. And then, again, the rest is history. Of course, Eckersley's greatest work will always be with the A's, where he was absolutely dominant right. and revolutionized the role of closer. But Bill Buckner did have some good years with Boston. Let's not forget that. You know, everyone remembers that moment. Hitter, man. But he was a terrific hitter. hitter with the Cubs, and he was a terrific hitter uh, with the Red Sox, and, and even the Dodgers, too. I mean, they, you know, Buckner... You know, probably hung around a little too long at the end there with the Royals, I want to say, in 88. That was his last stop. But, man, that guy was a professional hitter. You're right. A guy you could, you know, put money on for a batting title every year. Yeah, when batting average was really big. He was yeah. somebody that was involved. He was a 320, 330 kind of guy. He was up there for sure. And, and as far as Hall of Famers are concerned, I am very fortunate in the position that I've been in to get to meet a lot of them. And I've, I've made these points of making sure that I have. And I can tell you that Eckersley – is on a very short list of the nicest among them. He is That's what everybody says. He is absolutely either near or at the top. I mean, it's, it's hard to put somebody at the top when you haven't met them all. And mm -hmm. I would say that I probably met 95% of the Hall of Famers one-on-one -on -one at some point, maybe even higher than that. But Eckersley is one of those guys that is just nice as can be. He is I feel like it takes less effort to be nice. <laughs> at least to start. I mean, if they were all as nice as Dennis I Eckersley, have. it would be an amazing thing because this guy is will stop and he signs autographs for all the fans. The people will talk to you. Um, you know, that, and he's that still was an announcer, like, is he not for the Red Sox? Yes, with the Red yeah. Sox with Nesson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, still is. Yeah, and and everybody loves him up there too. He's, he's a, a great treasure. guy. He's a great yeah. guy. Yep. 1994, Mark Messier, mm -hmm. the run for the Rangers. Everyone remembers this. He had a hat trick in the East Finals for the Rangers. This was uh, basically the last time the Rangers were really good. And, of course, they went on to win the Cup. Yeah. 2019, this was last year, Game 6 of the NBA East Finals. Kawhi Leonard, 27 points, 17 rebounds. And the Raptors end up closing out their series with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Raptors then go into the finals against the Golden State Warriors and no one has them winning except for the Raptors <laughs> and then the Raptors I mean they, really I mean, nobody thought it was win. it's true and um and yeah Kawhi Leonard puts himself at that point on the map as what some people would say Joe as the best player in the NBA I would say that uh, look Tim Duncan has been very unassuming Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been very unassuming for sure 
but I don't think we've ever seen a better player in the history of the NBA that has been less talkative, less out there uh, than Kawhi Leonard. I mean, in, in my history of watching the game, like you, yeah. you give me the top five players in the NBA. Okay. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, you know, like LeBron James. Oh yeah. I forgot Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I mean, and literally the guy is be probably the best. What was wrong? You know, it's funny. Low key is a lost art form, right? Oh, no, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. But I think in the history of the game, there's never been a guy. Well, especially the NBA. The NBA is a bit of a, I don't know, a, a swagger league. Is a, I mean, is that the best way to put it? I mean, it's got some big personalities in there. In part, usually the great players have huge personalities, too, typically. It's very rare that they don't. It's kind of what makes them great. Is that ego? So uh, you're absolutely I, I right think about that. that. I think you ask the well, I mean, you know, I, you know what? I, it's a bad job by me, but I, I think if you ask the average person, you know, give me your five, give me your five favorite players, and then give me the five best players in the NBA. There's a chance they may forget Kawhi. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, I think they may. I, maybe, maybe I that's think they a should, bad job by me. But uh, it's you know, but the Hardens and the and the Steph Curry's, a lot of those guys have higher. I think what you're saying is he, they have higher profiles than Curry. And that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. And, you know, not to gloss over in 94, that Messier bit of news that you have on today's uh, anniversaries as well. That was, you know, you talk about like regions that kind of catch fire with something when it comes to sports. Even if you were not a hockey fan in 94, when that run was going on with the Rangers and Messier, that was a special thing. That was on everybody's mind. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody's watching it. New York, New Jersey. Tri-state area, it was a magical time. And I remember at the time playing American Legion baseball and our coaches happened to be huge Ranger fans. And then was right. they were pushing and pushing. It's like, look, you go out there. I want you to put the ball in play. I want you to put the ball. We got a game to watch tonight. And it was true. We went out there. We we're like, hey, we got to do what the coaches say, right? And that was incredible. All right, let's move on and hit on the fantasy sports birthdays for the 25th of May. And let's start off with uh, NBA, Kendall Gill, really good underrated player mm. for a long period of time, both good offensively and defensively as well. Spent some time with the Heat, got to know him at the very tail end of his career there. Uh, Miguel Tejada, born in 1974. <clears throat> Excuse me. Joe, one of the great uh, offensive shortstops. Mm along with Nomar and Jeter and A-Rod at the time, people glossed over Miguel Tejada. Uh, but, you know, as it would turn out, you know, clearly Tejada was was uh, hyped up, hopped up a little bit. on Special stuff. vitamins, Craig, special vitamins. I don't think there's any doubt Tejada was probably 50 years old when he was playing there. At the end. Ironically, <laughs> a few years ago, I was driving in a parking lot in South Florida at, uh, at the, either my pediatrician or dentist, and he was just there. Like, what is Miguel Tejada doing? I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you could say you were going to a movie or he something. He was just there, like standing outside a car in the middle of the lot. It was a weird scene. I never, I didn't stop to talk, but I just remember why is Miguel Tejada here? He I guess they all live there. Part of that Jason Giambi A's era, Narek Chavez. Those were some really fun teams. Those are the that was the Zito Mulder. Uh, he won the MVP of the league. Tejada. He was a terrific player. He really was. And then either been Baltimore at the end. Did he have another stop after Baltimore? I don't recall. Uh, Kansas City and Houston. But City, but Houston. he was great with Baltimore at the beginning, too. He was. Oh, it was tremendous there. Tremendous. But Baltimore was when him and Rafael Palmero kind of got, uh, you know, switching with their B12s. Probably. You know, the probably B12. So. Can't prove it, but probably so. Uh, 1978, Brian Urlacher was born, uh, Hall of Famer as well, one of the great defensive players, uh, followed by Sean Merriman in 84. You would have guessed Sean Merriman would have been better or as good 
as Urlacher. But, boy, you talk about a, a pretty fast-fading career, Joe. I mean, yeah. everything just came and went pretty quick. Like, first couple of years, <laughs> lights out with all the stuff he Lights out, and then the lights went out pretty quick, didn't they? It's yeah, like, right? Ehrman had a lot of extracurricular issues off the field, and I think that uh, kind of cut his career a little short. But Urlacher, on the other hand, um, one of the great linebackers of all time, and you know, for him and Ray Lewis in that same period, I know people used to have the argument. I don't think there is one. I think Ray Lewis better, but no, no, no knock on Brian Urlacher. That's for sure. He was tremendous to watch. And that incredible defense, even with Rex Grossman playing quarterback, got them to a Super Bowl Good. with Lovey Smith that year. So that was a tremendous, tremendous defense that the Bears had then uh, with Brian Urlacher as the middle linebacker. Yeah, it was it was a great era for linebackers. We had uh, Urlacher, uh, as you mentioned there. We also had. Uh, Ray Lewis, Derek Brooks, and they're all in the Hall of Fame. The only guy's yep. missing, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas was right there with those. Oh, I, I, I definitely think. I mean, I, I was surprised. He was right. His stats stack yeah. up against all those guys. I agree. I agree. And the Pro Bowls. It's like they just didn't. The Dolphins didn't win anything. So I mean, that's, that's what happened. And then Allie Reisman, Olympic winning uh, gold medalist, uh, gymnast, born in 1994. Want to make sure we include everybody here on the show. So happy birthday to Allie Reisman as well. All right, so uh, setting up for the rest of the show here, coming up next, we're going to go back to the 2001 NFL season. We've got our season in review. We're also going to take a historical uh, look back at some baseball. Coming up a little bit later, we have a couple of futures bets from the FanDuel Sportsbook. The first win of 2020, the two teams we're going to be focused on today are the Steelers and the Colts. Those bets are also available over on FanDuel. And then courtesy of Sports Radar. Uh, for those of you who are thinking about getting down some bets potentially in baseball for the season win totals, whenever they do come out for the 80 game, 81, 82 game schedule, I'm going to sh- give you basically the only stat that you need to know when you're going over or under. This is one of the primary ones that I mm. use every single year when I make mine, and it's usually pretty successful. And I think that you'll see uh, when I illustrate this coming up a little bit later in the show just how successful that is. So mm. give you a little peek behind the curtain. Say, we'll I be like back with more fan. Yeah, and hopefully make some money for you. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, we'll also, by the way, what? Craig, I, I know we got 30 seconds left. I teased what a Hoya was. I want to deliver. Oh, okay, Hoya Saxa is Latin for what rocks. And apparently it was a chant. What rocks? What rocks? And they became the Hoyas. So there you go. I want to deliver. Yeah. I don't like when people tease and then don't Just fall. like that. Yeah. Just like a great, that. A great segue to go to break. We'll be right back. What rocks? Sports today, right after. Go Hoyas. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to our Memorial Day edition of Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. You can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. And uh, look, I mean, Eli Manning is on Twitter. So we thought, hey, let's go back in, in football history. Let's take a step back today and go back to the year 2001. Tom Brady uh, taking shots at Eli Manning, some fun shots as well. Ironically, there was only one bit of kryptonite in 
basically in Tom Brady's career, it was Eli Manning. He's the only guy. <laughs> really, over the 20 well, years, he's the though. only guy that beat him. Yeah, you could say it's the Tom Coughlin. I don't know what you want. You know what you want to say who it is, but uh, there's there's no denying it. Uh, Eli has his number, and he can always hold that over him. And look, that's going to put Eli in the Hall of Fame, no matter what people say, no matter what you I, think about I Eli. Think he is. It's going to make him a lock. Beating Brady not once but twice in those games. Huge profile moments. And he had some really good runs there in the playoffs. I mean, let's not forget, too, the game before that, too, when he was beating um, Green Bay. I remember it was like, I don't know, negative 10 degrees or whatever it was in Green Bay. I just remember it looked like Tom Coughlin's cheeks were going to fall off. He's, they were just bright red. They actually so did. Cool. They might have actually fallen off. Replaced them uh, with two footballs. And Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> But he went and beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I mean, there's incredible moments here for Eli Manning. And, you know, 2001, the reason why I wanted to go back to this one is another, you know, moment in time here. We've been doing about seasons interrupted, seasons that have stopped because of lockouts or strikes or had to restart. And, of course, September 11th in 2001. And, of course, this is also the last season where Pat Tillman played. And for Memorial Day, I thought it would be nice to give a little tribute to our man, Pat Tillman, who uh, left his job uh, playing for the Cardinals, uh, playing in the secondary there to go and become an Army Ranger. And he served as an Army Ranger from 2002 to 2004 before, uh, unfortunately, um, dying from friendly fire in an unfortunate accident. And uh, Pat Tillman, certainly a, a fantastic American. I've seen the 30, uh, not the football life, not 30 for 30 football life on him. Uh, tremendous guy, tremendous husband, brother, son, all of the above. And it's something you don't see. A lot of athletes who are giving up years in their prime. And I know we're going to talk about that a little later on the show too, but athletes giving up years in their prime to serve their country used to be kind of commonplace. I mean, Roger Stallback comes to mind automatically too. And other guys are like, well, you know, I'm kind of committed here for a couple of years <laughs> with the Navy. I got to go do my tour and the Cowboys go, okay, well, we'll wait for you. You don't see that happen nowadays. And you don't see a lot of players from the military schools get drafted either into the NFL. So it's something that uh, you just don't see, and I think it was nice to take a stop here and honor Mr. Tillman. How about you, Craig Mish? Yeah, no, I think I think for sure it's a good way to start off uh, this segment, no doubt. In fact, um, you know, you're right. A lot of players in in Army and Navy, uh, when they play football, they essentially their careers end there. What was interesting uh, in baseball, uh, the Marlins drafted a player from the military, uh, Nick Reddy, and uh, the Miami Dolphins also drafted <laughs> a player from the military, Malcolm Perry. And it wouldn't shock me to see Malcolm Perry make the Dolphins, even though he was their seventh round pick. The <laughs> one thing that I would tell you that I've learned uh, from this, and it's, it's not something to bet on necessarily, but when teams draft players from the military in general, they're bringing them in, sort of in, not just because they're talented, just because they want that kind of person around yeah. their team. And that's something to look for in the NFL, in baseball, and all around. When you see a, a team do that specifically, look beyond who the player is. And it's just something culture-wise that they want to have a player around. So don't bet against Malcolm Perry. That's a tremendous point there. And uh, uh, nice to honor him. Again, I remember where I was. I'm sure you do, too, when you heard that news about Pat Tillman. I, I just remember feeling just empty yeah. inside. That, yeah, that one hurt uh, because there was, you know, one of those few things everybody could kind of get behind and— you know, this is another moment here. We're all kind of in a in a weird space. And fall of 2011, we were in a weird space. And just want to remind everybody that, you know, we will find and pick up the pieces and continue to move on with things. So, uh, but uh, this was a very important year uh, in football as well. Uh, Tom Brady was Super Bowl MVP. 
uh, this year of the season. So in the Super Bowl when they played in uh, January, February of uh, 2002, almost 20 years later. And it's the end of the Tom Brady Patriot dynasty, at least that connection between the two. So it's incredible to think about. You can look back and there's the beginning and here's the end. Or maybe it's just a new chapter in the book. Maybe it's an epilogue. I don't know. But it's going to be fascinating to see where where do you think Tom Brady is going to end up this year and next year? You think you're going to get two more good years of Tom Brady with the Bucks, or no, do you think no, this is think it? So. Yeah, I think I think this is it. But you know, look, he'll be okay this year probably, and then because he's he's going to be making a fortune the following year, he's going to have to play it out. And does he have one know. more shocker in him? Do you, I mean, can you put it past Tom Brady, the guy who he always tells me he can't do something? I'm a does big fan of more? his, but I, I don't do? think so. No. I'm so. a little I mean, worried about this it year. Too. Could this year could look okay? This year yeah. could look okay. But I, I just I was hoping not to see him go out like Peyton Manning, and I and I feel like that could that could hey, end up happening. Well, you know what? I mean, the people were kind of not sure about Peyton Manning too, but did make it and then win a Super Bowl with the Broncos. I know they got their doors blown oh, no, off. Absolutely did, but his last Seattle. year was just horrific. <laughs> last and, and year, Dan Marino's last last year was horrific too. Yeah, and I and I just you know I I just hate to see that, but I get it. And and it's and the jersey has to be torn off some guys. Tom Brady is definitely one of those guys. By the way, that Super Bowl reminds you of Tom Brady, not me. This to me was the beginning of Belichick, where uh, you know the Rams were the clear favorite in this game. No one expected New England to win. They had the best players. The Rams did, and this was that start of about 15 years that Belichick could identify a player and determine, okay, that player is not going to beat us. I think that slipped. The last couple of years, I think their defense has been great, but I think that's gotten away from them. I think defense that, was uh, tremendous last year. It was a huge it, rebound. It was, but I I don't know that those days are still around where Belichick can do that because I think everybody knows that that's what he's going to try and do. Well, you're but right because that was run for a long time and and he did it. Not I, I don't think it exists Marshall anymore. Falk. Remember the first bit? It was just just put a body on Marshall Falk every time he moves anywhere, hit him. And that's what they did in that game. You're 100% right. And that is the beginning of that. And it look, was. he's had a but good you know game what? plan. It was lo- you know, but, but Lamar Jackson crushed them. You know, it's like. It, yeah, I, I but think you know it's... what? You know what? He did hold Patrick Mahomes scoreless for a whole half of a game in the AFC Championship game two years ago. Let's not forget that. So I don't want to put the. Yeah, uh, I, I, well, the again, I'm sharing my opinion with you. I think that's done. But I think that for a decade or so, he was able to manipulate that around the league. And this, to me, was the first game that after the game ended, you were just like. What happened to Marshall Falk? <laughs> and, and then I think I remember saying about that, well, Belichick's going to find the guy. Belichick's going to find the guy. And he did it for a long period of time. But going back to my uh, point here at the end, it, we'll just have to disagree because I think that he's lo- – I, I think he's lost – I don't think he's lost it as a coach. I think that other teams have recognized, hey, look, be prepared because he's going to do this. And so teams have more options. Have now. Teams have prided themselves on not being so tied to one player all the time. You know, I mean, that it, be it, too. it was it was miraculous to watch. But he had what, the secret sauce for a decade. He, well, he had the secret sauce in the AFC Championship game when they went to the Super Bowl and won that last one, too. I mean, a pal, that year holding Patrick Mahomes scoreless to an entire half of football was the only reason that that game even went into overtime, let alone the Patriots winning. And they won because they got lucky and they got the coin toss. Let's be honest, folks. Uh, Also this year, some changes in 2001. The Denver Broncos moved from mile high to Invesco Field at mile high. And also the Pittsburgh Steelers moved from Three River Stadium to Heinz Field. So the beginning of that lovely place, uh, you know, Obviously, Denver always a home field advantage, but I think we can also say that Heinz Field has been very good to the Steelers. We have some history this year as well. Michael Strahan broke the single-season sack record, which is not easy to say. Just nice alliteration. Just want people to understand that. Uh, with a little bit of controversy mixed in, too. 22 and a half sacks. He uh, broke Mark Gassino's record. And uh, it's because, let's be honest, Brett Favre kind of, uh, he, he laid down. He laid down. 
How do we feel about that? Did that leave you hollow or uh, no? I, you know, I hadn't thought about it until now, so it shows you how mad I would be. I don't care. You know, great. You know, if a player is going to assist that, look, I mean, Wayne Wright threw a pitch to Jeter too. Like we, we've seen these things happen. Um, I, I don't get all caught up in it. Uh, but in terms of these stadiums, it's interesting you mentioned because Denver's home field advantage is ridiculous, and I think a lot of it has to do with being mile high, no matter how good or bad the right. team is. You'll see that I think play out again this year. And Pittsburgh, one when they play Sticks as Renegade. Uh, I think it's always in the third quarter at some point. Supposedly, yeah. they score points in the third quarter better than any other team in the NFL. The crowd just goes nuts. But there is there's data to support that. Like I, apparently, <laughs> apparently, like that song fires them up so so crazily through the years. Uh, usually, it was either that, that or like, Mr. Roboto. I think it was either one of those stick songs, possibly. Not the best stick song of all time. Joe. <laughs> you like you like Sail Away? Is that you're a big Sail Away guy? That's cool. <laughs> it builds. It's got a nice build. You know, what else had a nice build was obviously that uh, the offense of the Rams because Kurt Warner, this was the greatest show on turf, man. They were going for back-to-backs. They did not get it, but Warner did lead the league in touchdowns with 36 and passer yeah. rating. Uh, Priest Holmes, 1,555 rushing yards. I he had was a Priest Holmes this year. In yes. fantasy. Oh, that, then you had a very good year if you had Priest Holmes that year. I will I say did. that. Much. I remember I remember having Priest Holmes. This was a good year for me, having Priest Holmes. I, went, <laughs> I was I was in on Kansas those Kansas City running backs there for a while. The one after that was Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson was no slouch either. Uh, most valuable player was Kurt Warner, obviously. Offensive player of the year was Marshall Falk. Strahan, defensive player of the year. And the rookies of the year, Anthony Thomas of the Bears, a running back, and Kendrell Bell of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have so, no idea who those players are. I remember both of them, but let's just say the longevity was not their thing. Also, comeback player of the year. You'll remember the comeback player of the year was Garrison Hurst. Uh, I remember he missed the whole year and then came back, yes. So you got to miss that year. That's what you got to do. Obviously, too, in 2001, you also had uh, a certain quarterback drafted. He went as the first pick in the second round. Do you know who that guy was? I do. Hall of Famer, still playing now. His name is Drew Brees. So basically everybody passed. On Drew Brees until the first pick of the second round. He went 32 overall to the Chargers. It's the same draft that had Michael Vick go number one. And, of course, we have LaDainian Tomlinson go number five. So the Chargers drafted LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees back-to-back rounds in this draft and did not have a Super Bowl win to show for it. Who's Greg running Nish, that draft? What went wrong? What went wrong? I, don't know. I, don't know. I want that guy running my draft next year. <laughs> I'm doing the research here, and I'm looking through this draft, and I'm thinking – Man, how the hell did they go wrong here? That's Bobby Ross, was he there? Was he the guy there? The I, I don't, I mean, I'm, was it Schottenheimer by then? No, he, could he have been there by then, Schottenheimer? Gone I mean, by then. I don't know if he was running. No, could no, he? Marty was, Marty was on those, he was uh, coaching those teams that lost to Belichick in the playoffs with LT and Phillip Rivers even. Okay, um, well, then there you go. Maybe I don't, I don't know who was the GM was. I can't tell you, but that's a hell of a draft. I mean, two of the all-time greats to ever play their position, one draft. I mean, whew. That's that's something right there. You don't see that every day. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, both players. And, and of course, uh, Tomlinson will be next for the Hall of Fame the second he's eligible, I guess, in two more years, three more years. He's got to wait a little bit. All right. Uh, coming up next, speaking of Hall of Famers and speaking of Memorial Day, we're talking about some of the players who had to stop playing their sport and take a break because their nation called. So that's an interesting topic of conversation, as we talked about earlier. Also coming up a little bit later, we're going to give you an opportunity to learn how I make some of my uh, futures bets in baseball. Is one really specific stat that Sports Radar has provided me with that I'm going to you know, kind of illustrate how really simple it is for most teams 
after they have a specific thing happen with them during one season, how that translates to the next. So we'll do that as well. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe, don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day holiday. I know that for a lot of people this time who have had friends and family in the military certainly being honored that. How does that translate into sports? Well, Joe, we've seen a lot of players in the past who have essentially given up some of their playing days or had their playing days interrupted to go ahead and fight in wars for this country. Now, I think that we're fortunate in the last 20, 30, 40 years to really not have a lot of disruption where players haven't had to stop but it was a different story in the 40s and the 50s and certainly um, you know even some players today have essentially decided that that's the direction that they want to go yeah and uh, it's something you're not really going to see very often nowadays in professional sports with the amount of money that's getting thrown around too and obviously world war ii was a, a very specific scenario too where uh, people really felt the cause we talked about pat tillman in 2001 but Obviously, this was much more commonplace during World War II, and a lot of players left uh, their livelihood and left their families and went out there to defend uh, the world, not just our nation. And Ted Williams, one of those guys who did it not once but twice, you know, he did fight in World War II, but also in Korea. And that, uh, that's an incredible thing to think he went back there. He was a tremendous pilot, a lot of people will tell you. And uh, let's also say the numbers already for Ted Williams are staggeringly good. Most people will consider him the greatest hitter of all time, a 344 career batting average, the last man to hit 400, 521 career home runs. But he did miss a bunch of years. So uh, what we did here is we took some of the data from the years that he would have missed and the, the average stats around there. And then, again, from the second time he missed, took some of the average stats around there, which was obviously later in his career. And basically what would happen is if the totals of the five seasons he missed were put together properly, you're looking at a guy who would have hit around 342, but he would have had 3,452 hits, 663 career home runs, not 521, 663 and 2,380 RBI. Just to give you a point of reference here for that, those numbers would have put him from 69th in career hits to 6th overall and from 18th to 4th in home runs overall. So uh, that is pretty incredible when you talk about swing and how he gave up some of his best years in his prime to our great nation. And really, you know, his not that his, his place in history of baseball is not cemented already, but you look at those numbers, Craig, there's no denying he gave up what would have been we're talking all-time top five, top ten in almost every offensive category had he retired there at the peak and actually played all those seasons that he missed. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the thing with Ted Williams, too, is that the second time around, I believe, was voluntary. 
for him to go fight in Korea because you know he was he was such an important part of the military at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the field, I mean, look, what can you say about the guy? And the other part of it that gets lost so often about Ted Williams to me is the fact that the shift was created for him. I mean, the shift was not created oh, right. in baseball in the last ten years. It was for him specifically. And uh, I was watching a documentary recently where he was interviewed and talked about it, about how they just kept shifting on him and shifting on him. And I, I mean, I saw the video of him laying down a bunt down the third base line, and this is Ted Williams. So, you know, the notion that some players can't or won't bunt through it is ridiculous. Mm. Ted so Williams if Ted Williams will do it, I don't think anybody has it. Is that is that the marker? Can we all agree? If Ted Williams will lay a bunt down against the shift, then anybody should be able to without – you know, having to swallow their pride too much. I, I would encourage that. that video to be watched because you just literally see the guy. He's like, look, I mean, what am I going to do? I just, you know, every once in a while I laid down a bun. I got the first base if we needed one. Okay. And did that make an effect on, did he say, did it make an effect on the shift? Did people start uh, to have to respect that? Or is that just something? No, he really said the up? rest of his career, they still shifted no matter what. Well, I mean, and to think that he's still at 344 when people shifted on him. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the shift? Are you somebody that likes it, doesn't like it? Do you have a strong oh, opinion? Look, on I mean, t- t- you have to use whatever you can at your disposal to stop the other team. So I don't have an issue with it. I only have one. I don't have an issue with the shift. I have an issue when you take a player from a position and completely put him in a whole other spot on the field. Because otherwise, what's the point that's of fair. a position? Yeah. That's my yeah. only point. Like, I don't, I don't think a shortstop should be allowed – to cross over second base or third base. Right. Like, you know, well, I, I think the Rays, the Rays were really getting crazy with that sort of stuff. And, and they yeah. kind of put a stop to it this year. That, that was, that's the only thing. Cause I'm with you. I'm like, Hey, you know, like the shift, learn to hit to the opposite field. I mean, it's not, I mean, I was teaching 12 year old kids how to do it back 20 years ago. And I don't know why people can't do it now. But my whole point is I also don't think it's proper to be able to take a guy from a position and put him in a whole other space, put him in short right field when he's playing shortstop to me. That's not really baseball either. Otherwise, what's the point of having positions at all? It's kind of it's legitimately out of position. Uh, so let's go to Joe DiMaggio, another player that lost significant time uh, during World War II. Finished 13th uh, in his 13-year career. Excuse me. He finished with a 325 batting average, 2,200 hits, 361 home runs. Not too shabby. So he did the whole thing. We averaged things out to kind of get an idea of what he would have been. Over those years, obviously injuries can happen, but this is best case scenario. He would have finished with a 324 batting average, 2,745 hits, 445 home runs. And uh, those numbers would have put him 160 from 162nd to 48th all-time in hits. That's a huge jump from 69th to 35th in home runs and from 44th to 11th in RBI because he would have 1,897 RBI. And of course, whenever I think of Joe DiMaggio, I think of the guy who never struck out because in his career in 13 years, you want to take a guess how many strikeouts Joe DiMaggio has? In his career, 13 seasons, Joe DiMaggio strikeout total. 200? 369. Yeah. That sounds like two years for most guys nowadays. Yeah, he was, he, that was that was his thing. You know, he just refused to give in. I mean, he would foul balls off all the time. Career 398 OBP for you fantasy nerds out there. That's uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, Joe DiMaggio, I mean, uh, I know quite a bit about him. He lived in South Florida, uh, really close to me. Um, toward the end of his life, really proud guy, suit and tie guy at all times. Um, whenever he was introduced, he would only go if he was introduced as the greatest living uh, member of the New York Yankees of all time. Interesting that he w- they had to have that introduction. And also was the first um, 
to revolutionize, believe it or not, the autograph industry. He was the first one to charge a hundred bucks to get his autograph, you know? So that's that an opened, Italian right there. Hey, you that opened up the door for hey. for players to go to card shows and sign autographs. He was the one that started it. Was he also one of the first to really do those ad campaigns too? I know the Mr. Coffee ads were kind yes, of a, was, a big yeah, deal, he was, but he was very much behind him. Mickey Mantle followed suit after yeah. him. But yeah, athlete endorsements. Was, for, yeah, um, he was he was very much bigger than the game. Yeah, and uh, not only an iconic. Uh, person in for Italian Americans, especially growing up in New York, but uh, I mean, I mean, iconic American, right? Married Marilyn Monroe. I mean, what, yeah. what, what an insane life Joe DiMaggio had. <laughs> what do you think about it? Don't uh, think Kater... he ever liked talking about that, but yes. No, no. I mean, he didn't like talking about a lot of things. It seems he's a very private kind of guy. His brother actually played with Ted Williams. A lot Tom of people DiMaggio. forgot that. Tom DiMaggio played with Ted. All right, let's get into one of the pitchers here. Let's get into Bob Feller, who 18 seasons, he had a record of 266 and 162 with the Cleveland Indians. He had an ERA career of 325 with 2,581 strikeouts. So we put it all in there, tried to average some things out, see what we get. All right, here we go. When adding all the seasons together that he would have missed from the time he had served, Feller would have posted a record of, get this, 362 and 210. With a 311 ERA, 3,565 strikeouts, that would have moved him to 36th from 36th all-time in wins to fifth, and from 26th in strikeouts to eighth. So that is a huge another guy, a huge swing because all three of these players missed not just years but years in their prime. Yeah, Bob Feller was still pitching in the 90s, man. He was still throwing bullpens at uh, when the when the Indians were doing spring training in Florida. Um, I mean, he was he was throwing 70 miles an hour at 70 years old, man. I mean, Bob Feller would sit there at uh, in Winter Haven at that stadium, and he'd throw out the first pitch for every game. He'd throw bullpens while the game was going on just to show off. He was a, a wild guy. You I mean, wish I could grab. Old, I, I, did you... I didn't. I didn't come prepared today. I should have came prepared for my Ted Williams picture, my Joe DiMaggio picture, <laughs> well, my, my Bob Feller ball. I have all these things. I, I have keep... all these things. Well, but you ever see that old footage of Feller when he's throwing the, the ball through the panes of glass? There's like all these panes of glass and they're like different segments and guys calling out like numbers and they're numbered and he's throwing them through the panes. Like number four and he throws it from the pitcher's mouth. <laughs> he was an now interesting that's the guy. Goal, he was yeah, I think character certainly uh, puts it on there. He's, you know, some other... Things about Bob Feller, who obviously grew up, uh, you know, in a certain way. He didn't care for uh, some of his teammates sometimes. Uh, but uh, there's no denying, I mean, to go from 262 wins to 362 is a massive swing. So, um, yeah, you know, I very think... influential on who got in the Hall of Fame for a period of time. Too. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes, very I... influential. There was a uh, uh, an event every year in Tampa. Wade Boggs used to put it on. I was fortunate <laughs> to be invited and I went every single year was for uh, a children's hospital and they used to bring in about 10 hall of famers every year and they would sit, sit, um, you know, on a stage and they would talk and it was, you know, it was the same guys. There was Bob Feller. A lot of them passed. Um, Robin Roberts was another one that they, what they had. And and that was like my first experience, uh, you know, sort of getting to know a lot of these guys very well. Uh, Fergie Jenkins, who, Probably we should probably have Fergie on the show, Raleigh Fingers. Uh, you know, baseball's produced some really interesting characters through the years, and absolutely, Feller was definitely one of those guys. Where it's like, the one thing I remember about him is you go, hey Bob, like how's it going? Okay, you better sit down. You know, 
You're, you're, just, you're not getting away with just like a yeah. hey, hello. There's there's sounds definitely like my, uh, sounds like all my uncle. What's your name? Where are you from? Where, are you, where do you live? I mean, he, uh, I mean, and that's cool, you know. That, that but it was a different day then, and it was. Um, Bob that, you know what? Time. More of that. More of people like actually wanted to know something about somebody else besides themselves. You know, I know Ted Williams was you know had a cantankerous side. A lot of people will tell you, but a lot of people also yeah. tell you that a lot of people love Ted and. You know, when someone asks me who is the greatest hitter that ever lived in baseball, I, I would say Ted Williams. Stats kind of back it up. A lot of the other stats will back it up. And a lot of other people will tell you, is that what you think of? Do you think of Ted Williams? Do you think of Tony yeah, Gwynn? I, I think either him or Stan the Man, probably. Yeah. Yeah, Musial is quite up there, too. Yeah. But I feel like Ted Williams, I, I think we can all look back in the science of hitting Ted Williams, too. And I think he was kind of revolutionary in that sense of breaking down hitting into this whole other realm and studying it the way he did. He loved to hit. That's all he lived for. Hunt, hunting, fishing, and fishing. hitting. Fishing. <laughs> that seemed to be what yeah, he wanted his, to do. Uh, yeah. That was his big thing. And, and and just like a lot of the great players, his his acumen for hitting and, and, and how he illustrated that was great, but not a great manager, not a great – he managed the Senators, not a great coach. Um, mm. You know, some of the best players, really difficult to get along with the coach with the players because they think that you got to be as good as them, and they're not. Yeah, it's very difficult. Not only does the great uh, player make the great coach, we've seen that sometimes happens, but oh it's yeah, a, rare no, a, lot, a lot of times it does happen, but sometimes it doesn't. Like Mike Schmidt, remember him trying to coach in, in the minor no, leagues? No, I actually disaster. don't. I have <laughs> yeah, yeah one year in Clearwater, it was done. <laughs> I actually have no memory of that, but yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something George I remember. Magic, Magic Johnson coaching, I remember for a little while yeah. in the NBA. But yeah, it's yeah. it's difficult when you're you have gifts and a you different have those expectations uh, yeah. that the that the guys that are can know, do the can things you do can do. You did. It's <laughs> right. just, just not possible. So, yeah. all right, uh, we'll be back uh, for our second hour of fantasy sports today. We're gonna hit on some futures bets, courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. First win of the season. When will the Steelers hit theirs and the Colts hit theirs? We got that next. Don't go away. Hope you're having a nice Memorial Day. We're back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. <laughs> 